You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. I'm going to continue on somewhat from our discussion yesterday, which was we were following up on some goals and I was talking about some new books I've been reading about habits. And I want to go back and kind of give you some foundation for what I'm working on right now. I've said many times I've read over a thousand books on self-help, personal development, leadership, goal setting, sales, customer service, you name it. Uh, it just to covering a wide variety of topics, nonfiction kind of stuff. If it comes to all the books I've read, probably 10,000, but nonfiction, self-help. I, I even throw biographies in there because I, the biographies I tend to read are from business people. So I've learned a lot from those. I've attended on top of the thousands of books I've read or listened to, I've attended thousands of hours of seminars, webinars, presentations, workshops, classes, you name it. it it's what I do. I love to learn. I love to study. And I, I, I can honestly say that there is no way I could have accomplished the things I've accomplished without reading those books. I, I didn't have any real advantages growing up. I, I didn't have parents that were really good at this stuff. I had great parents, don't get me wrong, um, but they weren't good at this stuff. Neither one of my parents finished high school. They were both very hard workers, but they didn't understand any more about any of this stuff than the average person. So I certainly didn't learn any of this growing up. Uh, nobody in my family has ever really accomplished anything spectacular. I didn't, I wasn't surrounded by people. I didn't have any real role models in my life growing up. I didn't know anybody who was really successful or accomplished growing up. So I certainly didn't get it from there. I didn't start with a lot of money. The one advantage I can say I started with was the love of reading. And I, I developed that really early on. Who knows why? Uh, but But that was clearly an advantage that led me to all this stuff that allowed me to accomplish things that I couldn't have even imagined. Uh, had you asked me in my early to mid-20s if I were going to accomplish some of these things, I probably would have said, no, I wanted to, but I couldn't really see how I was going to. I didn't understand. But the more I read, the more workshops I went to, the more seminars, the, I, I picked up a lot of things that have helped me over the years. But honestly... It, it, with all those books, all that knowledge, all that information, I look around and go, how come I haven't done better? I mean, really, I, I know all this stuff. I know exactly how to accomplish a goal. I'm very good at it. I know all the steps. I'll take that back. I'm not very good at it. I'm very good at knowing all the things you should do. I can teach you all the steps. And that that's the things I've learned over the years through the books, my own study, my own thoughts. I've got a, tens of thousands of tips and ideas and things that work. But why doesn't it work better is what I've been wondering lately. 
In the last year, I've done something probably 20 to 30 times that I never used to do. That is, I started a book and didn't finish it. I never used to do that. In fact, it used to be almost like a personal challenge. I didn't care how bad a book was. I finished it, and I didn't skip through it. I read every page just like I normally do, and my my thought process, my justification was, why put this book down? Finish reading it. If you get one or two good ideas, it'll be worth the time. And I think what happened this year was I just wasn't really finding anything new. Most of what I was reading was rehashed, the same stuff I've read before. I wasn't getting enough good information. I was getting very frustrated, and and it bothered me when I would quit reading a book, but I felt like I was wasting my time. And I started looking for something, anything new. I, I just wasn't finding any real new material. And I, I started thinking about, why do I need new material? I, I know all this stuff. Why can't I just make this work the way I want to? And and I've been, I was failing on some of the things I wanted to accomplish. I wasn't getting them finished. And I couldn't figure out why. Why or why not? I, I know all this stuff. So what I started studying, and this is what I talked about yesterday, I started looking at books uh, about more psychology, but newer kind of brain research. I've never been a big fan of psychiatry, psychology. I I think that is a field that has tremendous amounts of problems. I, I don't think most psychiatrists, psychologists, whatever term you use, really understand how the brain works. I don't think they understand behavior all that well. If they did, I just don't think people would be in counseling for years or decades at a time. I mean, I, I can't imagine if I had a car that I had to take to the shop for an hour every week for decades. Who would own a car like that? What if you had a truck? Well, we have trucks like that today. They have emissions. You have to take them in just about every week. That's why I can't understand why anybody would own one of those either. I just don't understand why somebody has to go through counseling or to a psychologist, psychiatrist week after week, month after month, year after year, decade. I know people have been in in some sort of counseling for decades. That That just doesn't seem right to me. Now, I'm not saying that these people are dumb or they're... I just think we haven't had the information we need in order to really understand how the brain works. I think we are guessing most of the time, and I don't think we are doing a very good job. But some of the latest research about our brain is really interesting. There, there was a time not that long ago we believed your brain was hardwired at birth. And the only change you could expect in your brain was that over time, it would eventually get worse because of age. Well, that's not true. Our brains are not hardwired at all. Our brains are plastic and and moldable. Uh, We can change the structure of our brain. And the new technologies, the new scanning technologies available allow us to see those changes as they're occurring. 
And because of that, I think we're finally learning more about how the brain works. And I think that is the self-help personal development piece that's still missing. Why is it that I, I know all of the seven habits of highly effective people inside and out? I know that if I set a goal, break it down into smaller goals, follow through on it every day, do the things I put in there, I will achieve that goal. I know it. But why is it when I sit down to do those things, I, I can't many times, that I find myself scrolling through my Facebook feed instead of writing when I know I'm supposed to be writing a thousand words a day and I go weeks without writing anything, yet I spent hours scrolling through the Facebook feed, which I know isn't doing me any good, or checking my email, even though I'm not going to answer it. I'm just going to read it. Why? When I know that answering those emails would actually benefit me, it's something I should be doing. And I'm not saying I do this all the time. I mean, I, I have productive days and I get things done, but not nearly as much as I could. That's what I'm studying now. Two areas, habits which I'm absolutely fascinated with the new research on habits and, and willpower. We're learning more about willpower than we ever have. And what we're learning is that we have a limited amount of it. It's like energy. I mean, you can't get up and, and walk 40 miles today. If you haven't conditioned yourself to walk 40 miles, you're not going to make it. You might kill yourself trying. But if you were to get up and walk 400 feet today and 500 feet tomorrow and you continued that, you could train your body so that you could walk 40 miles in a day. It's possible. We can train our brain the same way. We can increase our capacity for willpower. And willpower is the piece that's missing in all this. If I know all the right things to do, yet I still don't do them, and I know all the reasons why I should do them, and I still don't, it's because of two things. I haven't developed a habit, or I don't have enough willpower. We can use pure willpower to get us through things we don't want to do. The problem with that is eventually every day we'll just run out of willpower. And depending on how much you have, that might not take long. So we can use our willpower, strengthen it, and there are ways to do that, and then use that willpower to develop habits because once we develop a habit, then we no longer need the willpower for that task and we can use it for something else. I think there is a ton of potential in this field of study and in these ideas. And I'm just starting to work on it. So stay tuned. I'll have lots more on this. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Stick around. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 8888 Road Dog. One more idea, then I'm going to get to those calls. One of the things that science has identified that actually does improve your brain in some pretty significant ways uh, the, the prefrontal cortex, the, the part of your brain right behind your forehead and your eyes, controls decision-making. It, it, our lizard brain is the, the part of our brain that seeks pleasure and avoids pain, but doesn't really think about the consequences of those actions. And, and most of the time, if you are just constantly seeking pleasure or avoiding pain, 
you're not going to have a very satisfying life for very long. Those just aren't good activities to seek to do all the time. You know, clearly there are times we absolutely want to seek pleasure. We want to avoid pain, but you can't do that all the time. And and that's what our lizard brain, the more primitive part of our brain, is programmed to do. The prefrontal cortex, which has developed over the years, helps us make better decisions. It, it hasn't really kept up all that well with the changes in life, though. So now we are surrounded by temptations and decisions, and, and we don't even realize how many decisions we make. When you ask the average person how many decisions they make around food in a day, their guess is usually between 10 and 15. It's more like between 200 and 250 for the average person. We don't realize we're on autopilot. We don't realize we're making decisions. And we are. And that's why habits are become so critical. Habits and willpower and paying attention to our decision-making process. Now, what they found is meditation can improve the brain's ability to make decisions better. And you don't, meditation is pretty simple. You don't need any expensive equipment. You don't need any long-term training. Honestly, meditation is nothing more than sitting quietly and, and controlling your own thoughts rather than just letting your thoughts run wild, which is what happens to most of us all day long. It's quieting your brain. And for the most part, it's stopping thinking the way we normally do and focusing just on, on something like your breathing so that you have no real thoughts. Now, there are tons and tons of tutorials online about meditation. There are, I, I would recommend you look for guided meditation in the beginning. Uh, in fact, I still use a lot of guided meditation. So it's uh, audio where somebody talks you through the meditation. There is a, uh, a hypnotist that kind of does a combination of hypnosis meditation type stuff. And he's got tons of programs available online. Uh, his name is Glenn Harold, G-L-E-N-N, two N's in Glenn um, Harold. And I, I've used his stuff for years. And, and it's another one of those things that meditation is really good for you. And I know that but I don't do it consistently every day. So meditation is one of the habits that I am looking to create. I've played around with it for years, and, and this is the crazy thing. I know when I meditate, everything gets better. I feel better. My health is better. My thought process is better. My writing is better. My shows are better. And yet I still can't get myself to do it every day. That's the crazy part of this puzzle I'm trying to figure out, but we do know that meditation will help that process if you can meditate on a regular basis. So we can talk about that or anything else you want to talk about today. Let's get to some phone calls. Let's go to Arizona. Adam, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I got a question and a couple of comments about the issue you're talking about, and um, uh, a place where I remember on yesterday you were talking about getting um, uh, the guy was trying to get the Dave Ramsey book. 
Yeah. And and uh, me and the wife did it in the truck in about three minutes and started listening to it. As soon as we heard that, we should probably listen to it. If you go to frostwire.com, you can download it in about two seconds and be listening to it before I'm done talking to you. Wow. Okay, great. Yeah, that that's the thing. You know, that was part of the process. I wanted to help people past some of those hurdles. And you know what? We've all been there. It seemed like there were some really obvious answers, but sometimes when you're the one stuck in the problem, you can't always see those solutions. Sure, sure. But uh, actually, if you go to Frostwire, there's probably a couple hundred things on you as well. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't know if that's good or not. Uh, a lot of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff on their podcast. You at different places talking, all kinds of shit. Stuff. Uh, okay, got it. Um, so Frostwire, F-R-O-S-T-W-I-R-E. Um, and then the the question is, and I, I have one, one more comment about that and one question. I'll, I'll go with the comment. Um, uh, you're talking about habits and you're making a good mention of it, a, a good um, comparison. You don't, you don't meditate as much as you can because it's not, you don't get an instant gratification from it when you do it. Um, there's, there's a very fine line between a habit and an addiction. You always talk about um, doing stuff in the real world, you know, you know uh, practical stuff, um, fuel mileage, stuff like that about trucks. Well, it's kind of the same thing for doing things like any, anything in life at all, meaning that um, if you go to you study all this stuff all this time, but you actually don't put it to practical use, it's, it's more of an addiction to learning than it is a habit of creating a different thought, meaning addiction gives you one thought, and then the habit give, gives you a creative thought. Meaning that, you know, it's easier to, you know, just study and study and study and that actually put it to practical use. Yeah. Sort of like uh, meditation. You're right. Uh, I, I Research studying is a habit that I've created and I've created it so well that I'll do it just about anywhere. I mean, if I'm sitting right. in the car waiting in a parking lot for something, I'll pull out my phone. I'll start reading stuff and, and researching. I love doing it. So that, that I've created, and, well, but there, you're right. I, I could take that to an extreme if I wasn't using well, it. There, exactly. But the thing is, though, there are, I'm not, you know, every, when people hear the word addiction, they think of bad, right. obviously. Right. There, there's just a fine line between a habit and a, an addiction, but an addiction can be good, but a habit is something that you use in a daily basis for something, for, for learning. Yeah. And the good news is that, that, that I'm learning now. See, I thought that reading, that my love of reading and research, I, I assumed that that was just something natural, that I was born with that. Now, after doing the research, I wasn't. I, I somehow developed the habit early on because I was rewarded in some way by reading. I read, I felt good, I got a reward, it became a habit, and, and it's easy for me now. Uh, there was a time when working out, I mentioned this yesterday, uh, working out was easy for me. I mean, going to the gym, I didn't feel like a struggle at all. I'm not there anymore, uh, but I think I can get it back pretty quick. Whereas some people going to the gym is like one of the hardest things they can ever try to do. And, and 
you know, they, they'll try it, they'll push through with willpower, they won't develop a habit, and they'll quit. We see it over and over. For me, running is that way. I mean, I love <laughs> resistance training, weight training. Uh, I, I've learned to love to swim, which I used to hate. Running for me, even though I did a lot of it in my lifetime, I mean, I ran, you know, I wrestled for years and years and years. So you had to keep your weight down. The quickest way was just go running. So I did a ton of running, but I hated it. I don't think I ever developed the the love of running. Right. But I think I could. Now, now here's the thing. Something else I'm learning is we have to be careful about which habits we choose. Do I want to go learn how to love to run? I, I, I know how I could do it now, but honestly, I really don't want to. Um, I don't know that <laughs> running is really all that great for you. It's good aerobic exercise, but it's very hard on your joints. All the pounding and, and the, the motion over and over and over and over for hours isn't all that good on some parts of your body. So I think I'm going to skip that one. I mean, I don't think I want to develop okay. the love of running. Yeah, I just, you know, I can relate with everything you're talking about. You know, I, I, I understand the extremes of both and uh, the differences between both, so it's an interesting topic. Yeah. The question I had was, yeah. uh, does the FAST system help out with gelling no. in the fuel? Um, okay. Well, let me correct that a little bit. The, the FAST is designed to polish the fuel i mean it's trying to get every possible contaminant out of that fuel it can the two big ones we've always known about dirt and water so it, a lot of filters can get those out it does that fast goes one step further and considers air a contaminant and gets air out of it as well if we have really right. really clean fuel our fuel problems will be minimized but there are still compounds in the fuel that can wax and gel that we're not getting out with the fast. So it might help a little, depending on what the contaminants are, but it, can't, it won't eliminate it completely. It has more to do with the quality of the fuel and what's in it. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number to join us, 8888-ROAD-DOG. The... Um, the site that Adam mentioned, I believe it was Frostwire. Uh, I, I went and checked it out. I just want to throw out a little word of caution, uh, just because I think there are some people that don't understand what these sites are. Uh, this is a BitTorrent site. BitTorrent is a, a file sharing technology that allows people to share all kinds of files across the Internet. Um, a couple words of caution about this. It is a great way to get information, no question. You've got to be careful of a couple things. There are some uh, copyright issues. It's kind of like, you know, a lot of people will rip movies off of a DVD and then load it to these type of sites and share them with everybody. Uh, that's illegal. Just be aware of that. The other thing, though, that, that you need to be aware of in, in a, any type of BitTorrent or file sharing application is they are notorious for viruses, for spreading malware and viruses, because there's no control. This is anybody can log in and upload stuff. So it, it's a very popular way of spreading malware and viruses through file sharing. So make sure if you're going to use these sites, I'm not telling you not to use them. There's some great stuff you can get from these sites. 
just be aware of what they are and make sure you've got good virus and malware protection. Now, I don't worry too much about that running uh, all Mac um, and iOS. I've been doing it for well over a decade and actually going on about 15 years now. I just I know there are people out there that say the Macs can get a virus. They can get malware. They're susceptible to phishing. I, I know all those things. And I, I I have never run any sort of virus protection on any of my Macs. I have several backup procedures that I use. Um, I, I do full clones of my hard drives every week, full bootable clones on external drives. I use Time Machine, which backs up every hour and allows me to go back and reset to before I had a problem. And I back up off-site and online. So with those backup procedures, even if I did get a virus, I could recover from it really quickly and it wouldn't be a problem. But in all these years of, of running Macs, I've never had a virus. When I had Windows, that was another matter. Keeping up with my virus protection software was critical and I used to spend a lot of time on it. So just be aware if you're going to use some sort of file sharing site, make sure you keep that in mind and you have some sort of plan in place to protect your data. Let's go to uh, Idaho. Robin, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. A couple of a couple of things before I get into the main reason of my call. Often, when you're when you're developing habits. And and then you know you recognize it's something good, even though you say you want to do it. There's a there's that part of you that really doesn't desire to do it. So even though you know you should, even though you recognize that it's good, you lack the desire. We always make time and we always accomplish whatever we desire the most. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, I know though. That works for me. It's interesting though, and and Larry Winget does a good piece on this, and, and it's in his book. Uh, it, it's kind of the premise behind his book. People are idiots, and I can prove it. And and his premise is people say one thing, but they act out what's really more important to them. So almost everybody mm-hmm. will say they would like to be financially secure, yet. It, and he points out that he used to do a show called Big Spender. It was on TV. It was a great show. Um, he'll go through somebody's house and he says, it takes me about 10 minutes to figure out what's important to you. And and you don't even have to be there. I don't have to ask you any question. All I have to do is walk through your house. If you say you want to be financially independent, but I walk in your house and you have 57 pair of shoes, you really don't want to be financially independent. You want to own a lot of shoes. And, and he goes on with clothes right. and food and cars and, and all kinds of things. People say one thing, but then do another. They do the exact opposite. And that is the fight between our prefrontal cortex, the one that is trying to get us to make better decisions. The prefrontal cortex understands consequences. It understands that mm-hmm. if you eat the Big Mac instead of the salad, there are consequences to that. The problem is the consequences come way down the road, so it's easy for us to forget about it. The, the lizard mm-hmm. brain says, but wait a minute, that salad sucks. I'm really not going to get much pleasure from eating that salad, but boy, that Big Mac tastes really good. And the problem is the <laughs> pleasure is immediate. 
We eat a Big Mac. It feels good right now. The consequences don't come for years. That's why this is so hard. But that's that's the fight between what we say we want and then what we actually end up doing. Right. Now, getting on to the to the to, to the thing that I called about, it has to do with fuel mileage. All right. Now you know that I've worked very hard on fuel mileage for years. Yes. And I'm very proud of fuel mileage. It's not as good as some people, but I do a heck of a lot better than most. You know. Right now my rolling average is at seven point nine nine and I'm working to get that higher. And I come to find out that with Landstar, they look at and they say, my trucks, the best it can do is 8.5 for, you know, as an average. And that if I exceed 8.5, they're going to roll me back to 8.5. And that if I should actually get up into the 9 and and top 9.5, they say, no, 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 that can't be done. You're cheating and they roll you back to 4.4, and I says, so what, what am I supposed to do? And they say, well, you know, you can do your own IFTA, and, you know, and, and it just kind of, it, it just inflamed me because of all of the hard work that you do, and then you've got either a company or the government saying, no, 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 yeah, I this know. can't be done. I, yes, I, it can be done. I've talked about this for years, and I know for most people, when it doesn't apply to them, we don't pay much attention to things that don't apply to us. I fought FedEx with this for years. The first time it happened, FedEx only allowed seven miles to the gallon. This is back in the early 90s. And I bought my first truck that I started learning about fuel mileage, and I got above that. And it took me a while to figure out they were killing me with this. I mean, I was being penalized heavily. Uh, because I was exceeding their fuel mileage numbers. So I took them all the data, proved to them that this really was my fuel mileage. I wasn't cheating. And they changed it to seven and a half. And a year later, I had to go through it again. Then we got it to eight. Then I had to, a couple years later, I had to go through it again. Finally, when I managed to break 8.5 one quarter with the truck, they flat out told me, we're not changing it again. Deal with it. Go do your own. And, And at that point, had I not been planning to sell the trucks, I would have switched to doing my own IFTA. It was the only answer. They flat out said, we're not going to change it again. And to lose that much money, it was thousands of dollars a quarter. I was being penalized. Um, I would have just chosen, and that's really my answer to you. I've talked with Landstar about this. I don't see them changing. And the, the best answer is, is just do your own IFTA. And then you won't run it. Now, you may run into the problem once in a while. A certain state may audit you because your numbers are high. But um, I, And I don't know what would eventually come of that. I haven't really fought the states on this issue yet. But uh, it is an issue. Right now, the easiest answer uh, is file your own IFTA. For a while, what I was doing, uh, because I had three trucks, I would just take one truck's fuel card once in a while and use it on another truck, and it would keep me under that number. I would still track all my fuel mileage properly, but as far as their fuel tax report looked, none of my trucks would break their limit. I would just spread my fuel cards around, which they said, if they ever caught you doing that, they would terminate your IFTA account, and you would have to do your own. Okay, I'll do it until you catch me, and then I'll do my own. Yeah, well, with only the one truck, you know, it's, it's you know, I... I, it, it just it just floors me because they said that I can get it raised, and I don't know what the procedure is, 
But, you know, right now I'm at 7.99, and I fully expect to crack 8.5 before the end of the year. Yeah. Because of how I'm choosing my loads. And, you know, when I replace my first set of tires, I know I'm going to pick up fuel economy at that point. Right. Now, it's clearly an issue. We, I fought with it at FedEx. We have a lot of people who fought with it at Landstar. Landstar's numbers are, are quite a bit bigger, so there's a little more room. But we have people that are getting up there, and, and it's a problem. So uh, if you can get them to change and raise your limits, that, that would be fine. And if you can't, uh, then I think your best bet is just to do your own. Okay. Well, that's probably what I'll end up doing. If I get there, because I'll be doggone if I'm going to give the state uh, any more money than I already give the state. Well, it's crazy that we we punish the people who are doing exactly what everybody wants to do. Burn less fuel, save the the ecology, help, you know, so we're not dependent on foreign oil. All of those benefits of, of controlling your fuel mileage the way we do. And yet we're the ones that get penalized by the system. It's crazy. So I'm working on it. Right now, the easiest thing is just do your own. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get right back. Matt, you still with me? Yes, I am. So, Where were we? Yeah, the nice thing about Mint, um, I opened up a new uh, uh, 529 plan for the kids, and that was after I'd already started on Mint, so that the tracking on that and the graph is from the very beginning. Oh, that's nice, yeah. And, you know, the, the graph, it, you know, it's just like a stairway. It looks, just keeps going up for about 18 months or an hour or so I've had it. Excellent. And it's, what's amazing is uh, in the last 18 months, our most volatile time has been in the last uh, three months here is the only time there's any real movement downward. But then, you know, it all came back. So, yeah, it's, it it, was, I said this a couple of weeks ago. It's such a strange economy. The market is doing amazing things, crazy things, setting records. And yet we're you know, just not seeing it much. And uh, we're seeing it some in trucking. We're just not seeing it in the overall economy yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if either one of us could predict any of that. It, yeah. <laughs> Something else. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, good, good stuff as always. Uh, Mint, excellent tool, and it's free. Really, I, I, I haven't found anything better. It, it is the, the best financial tool I've found. Now, there's no question. It takes some work to get it set up. It's going to take some time, but you could easily do it in a day. I mean, I have quite a bit going on financially, and I, I could set mine up in a day. So, and then once it's set up, it just gets better and better over time with the more data you get in there, but it's so automated. Let's go to North Carolina. Joe, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing there, Kevin? Good. What can I help you with? Yeah, uh, these uh, pre-EGR trucks that people are wondering how they're getting hard to find, I can tell you one aspect that I'm seeing is because my dealer in, uh, back home, they get these five to $7,000 pre-EGR trucks in that aren't worth anything on a dealer's lot. 
they send them across town to the chop shop. They make for six thousand dollars. They make a day cab conversion out of it, repaint it, and sell it to a farmer for twenty to twenty-five thousand. Because that truck with one point two million miles isn't worth much over the road, but to a farmer that runs five to ten thousand miles a year. He just bought himself a really cheap piece of equipment that he can write off on his farm that's going to last him five or ten years. That's a good point, and that does happen. Trucks get converted to day cabs. Oh, it, happens. Yeah. It, it happens. There's two of them where I live. That that's all they do is conversions, uh, and they are booked up solid in the dealership. When He doesn't even put them on his lot. As soon as they come in, he sends them over there. They're not even up for sale because they're worth more as a day cap than they are to sell them. Yeah. Now, those are the kind of dealers, though, that I would go to and say, hey, look, I love these trucks. I want one. If you find one that you would be willing to sell, just let me know. And that's another good option. But you're right. That is they get sent across the border. You know, the old million-plus-mile trucks go south of the border all the time. They get shipped out in containers. I mean, they, they end up in other parts of the world sometimes because the rest of the world doesn't have the emission issues that we do. I mean, Europe does, but very few other countries. Uh, south America has no emissions whatsoever. So you can send these trucks down there, and people can keep those things running for another 20 years. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, and, and, and I've got some numbers here. I ran 152,000 miles last year, 335,000 drive-in. Not one dollar of that was spot market freight. Wow. So I, I haul basically for a, a shipper that I've had a contract for 23 years now. And, uh, I'm, I, you know, I sure wish I could have gotten involved in some of that contract freight. Uh, I don't know where the numbers would have been, but, you know, I've had these type of numbers for the last 15, 20 years. So, as bad as I hate saying, well, I'd like to go get some of that three or four dollar mile freight. I think three thirty five a year isn't bad at all. That, not bad doesn't even come close. That is outstanding, especially over that length of time. It's one thing to hit it, you know, now and then when the market's been doing great, but to consistently get those kind of numbers year after year, you're doing a lot of things right. Uh, thank you, and that's all I got to say. You have a good day. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Let's go to North Carolina. Don, welcome to the program. Good evening, Kevin. I've got a question on uh, some ratios for you. Okay. Go ahead. All right. I'm going to – got a set of 293 gears, and I've got an old 13-speed. It's a single overdrive, an old 146. Okay. What would my speeds come out with that thing at, say, at uh, – 60 mile an hour and 65. Now, your your, fi- your final gear ratio is probably on a 13 speed. It's probably 0. 0.84, 0. 0.85, somewhere in that range. So yeah. if we were to run it in your final gear, uh, let's call it 0. 0.85. That'll get us pretty close. Uh, what tire size do you have? 225 low pros 225 low pros let's put uh 512 there and let's talk about some speeds at 60 miles an hour with 293s and a 0.85 60 miles an hour would put you at 1275 
So a little low for a Detroit, just about ideal for a Cat, would work pretty well for a Cummins. But here's the other thing you could do. This is a great combination, by the way. I love this setup. So the other possibility is running a gear down in 12th, which in your truck is your direct gear. And at 55, you're at 1375 dead on for most Detroits. That would be, uh, and, and I know somebody running this combination. He's been doing it for years with the pre-emission Detroit, and he does over nine miles to the gallon. Running 55? Yeah, actually, he runs 54. Okay. Now, you could okay. still run and 60. Totally- even, in, even a gear down, let's see what happens at 60. Uh, if we're a gear down... Uh, we end up at 1,500, which isn't bad. So the, the combination here, and, and a scan gauge would really help you tweak this, but you could run from about 55 to 58 or so in 12th, and then you could run up to about 70 in 13th. Now, you know the faster we go, the worse the fuel economy is going to get, but, but the gearing would allow you to run those ranges and still get the best possible fuel economy at 70. Okay. All right, that's kind of I've already got the scan gauge. So that's no problem with that. Yeah, that'll, that'll really help you tweak you know, how this engine really likes to run. But, but that combination, and when I first saw that combination, I thought it was horrible. And nobody was getting fuel economy out of it. But I found out everybody was driving too fast. And when we had somebody who had this combination and and went, you know, 57, 55, 54, the fuel mileage numbers were amazing. Yep. I'm running a Cummins right now in 14 and basically the same truck. I got the other truck at home. And and I got 6.18 for the year. Okay, and, but I'm always heavy, and it, I can't get no fuel mileage. I was in 14 Cummins. It, it's a and little tougher of an engine. Um, it, it's a workhorse. There's no question. N14 was always a great engine, v- bulletproof, not expensive to work on, not expensive to rebuild, pretty easy to troubleshoot. It, it was maybe middle of the road when it comes to fuel economy. Um, usually, I could do better on an N14 than I could on a Cat but I could never do as good on an N14 as I could at Detroit. So it, it could be done. There's no question. But this setup you're looking at uh, is a, a really nice setup for fuel economy if you're willing to drive slow enough. And that's really what it comes down to with this truck. Are you willing to drive slow enough? Uh I'm looking at the clock, and it looks like I'm going to have to get out of here. My time is up. I do appreciate all the calls and all the feedback today. Great comments, great feedback. Thanks for help with the shops and the ideas around goals and habits. Uh, Expect a a lot more material coming about the willpower habits. I I think it's the missing piece in in a lot of the stuff I've been working on, and I think it could help a lot of people. If I can get it nailed down to a nice, simple system that I can teach somebody, uh, I think there's a lot of potential in this. So I, I've committed, I'm going to do a lot of reading and, and work on this idea. We've got a lot of great projects coming up. Some I can't talk about yet 
I'm waiting. Won't be long. Uh, big news is our network. It's up and running. I have a couple bugs on the website, but we'll get them worked out here in the next day or two. So go check it out. Go to letstruck.com. Make sure you're logged out and then look for the Audio Road Network and start checking out some of our new shows. Give us a call if you need any help. It's 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining me. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work. And master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rutherford. tuning in to the audio road if you have any questions give us a call at 855-800-FUEL that's 855-800-3835 check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash let's truck